Hello and welcome to the Fast Five News Recap. I'm Bennett Hofer and the purpose of this podcast is to get you the top five news stories of the week quickly and concisely so you can stay up to date with your current events. Let's hit it. All right, let's get started with number five, Did Snowden Get the Key? There's been a lot of chatter in D.C. recently of Attorney General Eric Holder and some members of Obama's administration hinting towards a plea bargain with Edward Snowden. However, on Monday, February 10th, the ex-CIA and NSA chief, General Michael Hayden, put those rumors to rest when he spoke at Oxford University and gave his opinions revolving around Edward Snowden's return. When asked, Hayden saw little reason for the U.S. to offer a deal with Snowden, and that even though deals with leakers have been made in the past, given the circumstances, Hayden believes that America would not approve. And this brings us to my featured article, NSA Coworker Provided a Digital Key to Snowden by Stephen Braun of AP News. Earlier in the week, an NSA employee resigned and admitted to federal investigators that he had given the former NSA analyst, Edward Snowden, the digital key to all of the classified information. This coincides with Snowden's previous statement that he has never stolen passwords or influenced others to give him the access. What this means for the NSA? The director of national intelligence, James Clapper, said that it has accelerated the tightening of security of clearance protocol and monitoring of government computers. As for Snowden, his temporary asylum in Russia ends in July and can either be extended or denied. If denied, he would have a year to successfully appeal or risk deportation or extradition. Number four, same-sex marriage and the fight for equality. On this Tuesday, February 11th, the state of Nevada announced that it would not be defending its ban against same-sex marriage in court. Nevada's reason behind it being that its legal position has been undermined by the Supreme Court rulings in the past year. And then on Wednesday, February 12th, a federal judge in Kentucky ruled that denial of recognition violates the Constitution's equal protection under the law clause. Though monumental, the judge did not specify if Kentucky must issue marriage licenses to same-sex couples. And then on Thursday, in our featured headline, a first for South Virginia gay marriage ban overturned by Associated Press, the U.S. District Judge... Arenda Wright Allen ruled that Virginia's ban on same-sex marriage was unconstitutional. Virginia, being a historically southern state, is the first to revoke the ban amongst its southeastern neighbors. The case is still to be appealed, and Wright Allen has issued a stay on the ruling until the appeal is over. So Virginians will have to wait, but are hopeful and happy with the ruling. Though not all of the states were happily willing to give up on the ban, progress has been made in the LGBT community. Momentum is shifting from the quote-unquote traditional ways as now 17 states, including Washington, D.C., allow same-sex couples to get married, and 21 states recognize and protect the relationship legally. With 33 states still barring same-sex marriage, the surge for marriage equality still has a long way to go. But with recent rulings and the momentum it brings, it isn't crazy to think that same-sex marriage could be legalized nationwide within the decade. Let's take a quick break from the countdown for our hashtag Uber fact of the week. The average person spends about $133.91 on Valentine's Day, 
Wow, that is a lot of chocolate. Some other Valentine's Day statistics include the average annual Valentine's Day spending is at $13.19 billion, and then the average number of roses produced for Valentine's Day is $196 million. Now, guys, I'm not saying to spend $133 on Valentine's Day each year, but the percentage of women who would end their relationship if you didn't get something for Valentine's Day is 53%. So I guess if you forget, you got a flip of a coin on whether you're heading home or running your tail to a motel. This hashtag UberFact of the week was brought to you by the Twitter account at UberFacts. You can follow them or you can follow me, and my Twitter handle is at Bennett's Podcasts. That brings us to number three. Winter mayhem hits the East Coast. The Arctic battle has been going on for the majority of the week now, and on Thursday, February 13th, the storm hit hard everywhere on the East Coast, with some places receiving up to a brutal 28 inches of snow. Unfortunately, 21 storm-related deaths have been reported since the start of the storm, with news stations and politicians calling for citizens to stay inside and stay safe. Also, as of Thursday the 13th, the governors of 11 states from Pennsylvania to South Carolina and even Louisiana issued a state of emergency as schools and businesses were canceled and workers desperately battled to keep roads safe or even open. And that brings us to our featured headline, Monster 100 Car Crash Clogs Pennsylvania Highway by Alexander Smith and Eric Ortiz of NBC News. On Friday, Valentine's Day, February 14th, around 8.20 a.m., approximately 100 cars crashed, spun out, flipped, or even slid off the road on a 3-4 to four mile stretch of highway just north of Philadelphia. 24 people were taken to the local hospital with only one in critical condition. Transportation issues nationwide have created a problem for vacationers and business travelers, too. Approximately 10,000 flights have experienced cancellation and delays due to the storm, and airports nationwide are scrambling to reorganize planes for the flights planned. With the polar vortex leaving its snowy mark on now 49 of the 50 states, it leaves countless numbers of citizens and businesses playing catch-up or clean-up. Number two, and of course I have to go with the Winter Games in Sochi. First, I'd like to start with the featured headline and my favorite, Ugly Americans by John Krasinski. Krasinski referencing the polo sweaters worn by the Americans in the opening ceremonies referenced them as gaudy and having the ugly Christmas sweater fashion. Even American skier Nick Gepper dubbed the festivities as the opening sweater-monies. Personally, I find them fashionable, and I'd wear a jacket myself. Though the sweaters have received a lot of scrutiny from Americans, the Winter Olympics has seen a wide array of fashion statements, ranging from the gloves with the rainbow fingers to the pants on just about any curling team you watch. In other Sochi news, Yevgeny Plushenko, the Russian figure skater, withdraws and retires from the sport after suffering from severe spinal pain during practice. With two silver medals and one gold medal from previous games, and a gold medal from these games in the new team event, Plushenko leaves as a champion. However, some Russians have been critiquing his withdrawal, saying he should have competed through the pain. 
Over 1 million tickets have been sold so far for the Sochi Games, leaving record attendance to be set at 500,000 people for the Russian hockey debut, leaving the question, what will happen if we see Russia versus U.S. or Canada in the final? The Olympic Games are always full of ups and downs. However, for some, unfortunately, there is even heartbreak. Olympian Sean White, the two-time gold medalist in snowboard halfpipe, going for his third of these games, placed fourth after a heartbreaking fall. The winner, though, Ayori Podlachikov, showed great sportsmanship after the event in an interview towards Sean White. Olympian Hannah Carney, the reigning ladies freestyle skiing, mogul's gold medalist, had an emotional interview after her bronze finish and her announcing her plans to not return to the next Olympics. 36-year-old Bodie Miller, the five-time Olympic medalist and the reigning gold medalist, has not placed higher than seventh with only one event for him to go. The issue of safety revolving the ice and snow has had Miller and his teammate Ted Ligety feeling like they had to be cautious during the races. With events still to come, and the medal count being so close, it's going to be interesting to see what happens at the end of the Olympics. And drumroll please, number one, Comcast buys Time Warner Cable. Comcast announced on Thursday, February 13th, that it would buy Time Warner Cable in a believe it or not, $45.2 billion deal in stocks, worth just over $158 a share, sold $23 above the market price. The deal will make the new conglomeration's outreach to one in three households. The CEO of Comcast, Brian Roberts, told CNBC that the deal was pro-competitive and pro-consumer, promising innovation and improvements. And that brings us to our featured headlines. Customers say Comcast Time Warner Cable merger is evil by Jose Baglieri of CNN Money. The Twitterverse broke out with thousands of complaints revolving around customer service, data speeds, and monopoly prices. American consumer satisfaction polls have the two companies ranked as the lowest in the nation regarding internet and TV. So is this new company a good thing, or or is it bad? I mean, who knows? I guess we'll just have to see. Anyway, Comcast will now be competing with services such as DirecTV, phone providers such as AT&T, and even our beloved Netflix. With a one-in-three household outreach, will that really inspire Comcast to innovate and improve like we have seen the competition between Apple and Microsoft over the last few years? Or will they become the schoolyard bully of the market as everyone is afraid of? Alright, that's all I have for you today on the Fast 5 News Recap. I'm Bennett Hofer, and feel free to subscribe to the podcast or follow me on Twitter at Bennett's Podcast. Thank you very much, and have a good week.